Okay, yeah, it's on. <laughs> I'm just going to pray, actually, before we get started. So thank you, Jesus, that your presence is already here. Holy Spirit, your presence is here. That We just ask that you just, throughout this message and throughout today, even, God, that you come uh, stronger, that we get to feel your presence so strongly today, that we can get filled up with your presence and just filled up with you, Jesus, so that wherever we go, wherever we walk, Jesus, we're just an overflow of you, an overflow of your love and your heart, God. Amen. <laughs> so today, I um, actually, when Meredith had first asked me to lead worship, it was a few months ago, and then she asked me to preach a few days ago. <laughs> so I was, uh, I was like, oh gosh, wow, I already have a million things going on, but you know what, that's this is, this is going to be good, and I'm always so honored that she, she's asked me once before, and I was very honored that she did ask me. I was like, oh, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty young. I don't know how much I know, but I mean, I can, can share what I know, and I can share, you know, I obviously have a lot of wisdom from my parents who are pastors. Thankfully, I get to talk with them a lot, and I get to have a lot of conversations with them of just like even my questions or things from the Bible, and, and I'm honestly so thankful that a lot of times they have the answers, the kind of things that I'm asking for from them. So it's, it's really a privilege for sure. Um, and I kind of wanted to just start by talking about, um, well, I mean, I guess I should say what I'm kind of talking about is, is like what does it mean to really live for God and what is like this holiness and glory of God that we can experience when we actually do live for God. Um, and that's kind of what I'm going to be talking about today, um, and I just wanted to start off kind of by um, sharing actually a story from this week of why I felt I needed to talk about this, um, and it was because I recently had this opportunity where I was able to get into kind of like this investment, passive income type of situation where my friend had introduced me to it, and she said, you know what, there's these great people who are like mentoring me and showing me how to actually um, almost become rich when you're young, kind of this idea, and they were Christians, it seemed like a, a cool idea, and I was like, okay, sure, like, I could use some extra money, who couldn't, you know, <laughs> and um, I thought, you know what, like, they're Christian, they have this solid, it seems like a pretty solid kind of idea thing to do, but I, so I figured, you know what, I'm going to meet with her, kind of try this out, and originally I was like, okay, I'm not really sure what to think about it, but let's just do it, like, it's probably fine, it should be good, and um, I went to Young Adults on Thursday because we have young adults at our church. And uh, um, we had Josh, who's one of our young adults leaders. He was talking, and he was kind of talking about sacrifices and just talking about Romans and all the different kind of ideas in Romans. And then we had just this moment after that where we went into ministry and just, he said, like, if there's anything that you feel like, um, you need to sacrifice in your life or just anything like that. Um, like, this is kind of your moment. We're going to spend some time in, like, worship. And there wasn't necessarily anything in my life I felt like in the moment I needed to. But um, we kind of just were praying and just in this moment of of just receiving. And it was like, I, I'm not even sure why. I guess he had prayed or I can't even remember. It was just the worship. But... It just felt like you could just feel the presence so strongly in the room. You could just feel like the glory of God. I am like, I looked around and I'm like, oh, I'm not the only one crying right now. <laughs> it 
And there was, like, almost everyone, you could just feel it so strongly, like, everyone's on their knees. And, and in that moment, I was just, like, like God kind of just placed into my mind this idea of, like, okay, every single thing that you do needs to be coming out of um, my, like, overflow of my relationship with Jesus. That's the most important thing. And even if this new opportunity that I had, that, you know what, maybe I can make some money, that, that actually might be a distraction, that there are certain things that come into our life that may seem like really good things, and maybe they even are, but God's saying no, because I want you to focus on me and our relationship, and I kind of just had this, like, just renewed mind of, like, okay, like, it doesn't matter, you know, all these things that might pop up. I mean, I just finished school, and I'm in graphic design, and honestly, there's a lot, it's really in demand right now, so obviously, there's a lot of opportunities popping up, and it can be really easy to just kind of take every opportunity, but in that moment, God was like, okay, we need to just, like, it needs to be just me and you, it needs to be just us, and kind of just gave me this idea of, like, okay, what does it really mean to be just me and Jesus, Um, and yeah, that was, like, that was just a moment, like, all I really need is God. Like, sure, money is great. Obviously, we need it for our houses and everything and to pay for food. But it's what we really, what we really need is God, and everything comes from an overflow of that, from that relationship with Jesus. And that's the only thing that really, really matters in this world. Um, and I want to lead us to Ecclesiastes 1. Um, and I was just kind of going through this last week. I was doing like a study of Ecclesiastes. Oh my goodness, I cannot find it in my Bible right now. I unfortunately lost my Bible in Finland, so I have to use the iPad Bible <laughs> if I can find it. Um, but yeah, Ecclesiastes, I was reading through it last week, kind of doing a study. And it's, I kind of joke that like, it kind of portrays how my mind works. It's like, this is awesome, but also it's meaningless. But this is great, but also it's kind of meaningless. But oh, just enjoy life. But at the same time, it's like a lot of just ideas like, okay, this is all great, but then it's kind of bad at the same time, but it's kind of good. It's like when it talks about like, okay, money's great, wealth is great, enjoying life is great, but in the end, it's all kind of meaningless because we all die anyways, which not as morbid kind of thoughts that I have, but you know, that same idea of like, okay, we can do all these things in this world and just build up our wealth or build up, you know, but in the end, it doesn't really matter because the only thing that matters is Jesus. So in Ecclesiastes um, 1, 2, and 3, it says, everything is so meaningless. The teacher says that it is all a waste of time. Do people really gain anything from all the hard work they do in this life? Um, People live and people die, but the earth continues forever. Um, And it's kind of just like really this perspective of like, I mean, obviously we don't want to sit in our lives thinking, I'm not going to do anything, everything is meaningless, I'm going to die anyways. (laughs) We don't want to do that. But like the idea of like, okay, some people use their whole life just to get rich. They work so hard every single day, they waste their life away. Even some people we know in this city where they'll go work. um, I mean, like I have young friends in their 20s and they're thinking, I'm going to go work at the steel plant 10 hours a day or however however many hours a day 
just so I can get money, even though I hate it and I hate my life, but I want money. And I have had, like, you know, young people think that way, and I'm like, what are you doing? No. <laughs> you know, people who had actually good jobs, like someone I knew was doing something they loved. They were cutting hair, and they were really enjoying it. They had a good job. They thought, oh, but I just want money, so I'm just going to go work at this steel plant and just not saying it's a bad place to work, but you know what I mean, kind of just this idea of like all, all I'm kind of living for is money. I just want to have money so I can just buy things. And in Ecclesiastes 1, 11 to 14, it says, people don't remember what happened long ago. In the future, they will not remember what is happening now. And later, other people will not remember what the people before them did. I, the teacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. I decided to study and to use my wisdom to learn about everything that is done in life. I learned that it's very hard that God has given us to do. I looked at everything done on earth, and I saw that it is all a waste of time. It is like trying to catch the wind. And it's even things like wisdom that in the Bible, you know, we're told it's a good thing to be wise and talks a lot about the wise versus the fool. But if that's all we're going for, if we're all just going for wisdom instead of necessarily this relationship with Jesus, even that is a waste. Even that is meaningless. Even those things like, like serving, even if I'm every single Sunday or almost every day at the church, and that's all I do is I go there and I just choose to worship or I choose to volunteer constantly, but I don't actually build my relationship with Jesus. doesn't matter what I do in the church because I actually never built that relationship with Jesus. And the sentence we're going to hear at the end of our lives is, well done, my good and faithful servant, but also the idea of, like, did I know you? Did I actually, did you know me? Did you actually spend time getting to know me? Did you actually spend time getting to know my heart? That's what God's saying. And, um, yeah, so just this idea of, I could gain all this money. I could gain all this wisdom. I could gain it all. But in the end, it really would be meaningless. Um, and so everything is kind of in our lives. I mean, for a lot of people who I've talked to who actually haven't grown up as a Christian, who haven't known Jesus, and then they come in to know Jesus, they come to church. Let's say, like, there's someone in our church who actually was a drug addict, and he died one time and came back to life. And he somehow ended up in the church. I can't quite remember how. But he came back from this life of addiction, of being homeless, came to church, got kind of his life back together. And he's so, like, you know, excited about Jesus. And he, when we have street ministry on Fridays, he gets out there on the street and he's praying for people and he's telling people about Jesus because he understands that he tried everything. He tried the drugs, he tried, you know, all this stuff, but nothing actually fulfilled him. Nothing actually was able to fill him up. And that it was all meaningless until he experienced the touch of God, until he actually experienced Jesus. And in Matthew 8, 1 and 3, I'm going to head there. Um, It says... Jesus came down from the hill, and a large crowd followed him. A man sick with leprosy came to him. The man bowed down before Jesus and said, Lord, you have the power to heal me if you want. Jesus touched the man, and he said, 
I want to heal you. Be healed. Immediately the man was healed from his leprosy. And in this story, I love that in verse 3, it just says Jesus touched the man. And Jesus really didn't do anything else. All he did was touch him. It was just the touch that he needed. And actually when I was looking, I was kind of researching like different Bible verses that talk about the touch of God or just this idea. It actually mentions touch a lot in the Bible. And if we go back to the Old Testament, we know that it talks about if you were to touch something that was unclean, if you were to touch something that's dead, you're unclean. You're made unclean. And I love this idea in the Bible of like that touch is so important that if you had actually touched something that was unclean, you either like have to wait a week or you have to sacrifice an animal. That is such an important thing. And I think um, now, because obviously we don't have to do that, we don't have to sacrifice an animal if we touch a dead animal or anything. Um, but there's like just this really big idea that we kind of have almost lost that touch is so important. That, that hand of God, that touch of God is such a powerful thing. And even like when it says in the Bible, like lay your hands on the sick and they'll be healed. You know, that touch, that laying on of hands is so important Jesus talks about in the Bible. And I, I love that idea that actually we may not think about it. We may not think about how much power we have within ourselves because Holy Spirit has empowered us. But we have that power as Christians to actually work, you know, with Jesus through us to lay our hands on the sick and they will be healed. And I love the story that Vico was sharing earlier that, you know, there was a, someone in the store that had said that, like, you know, their, their son was sick with cancer, right? And then they just kind of prayed and prayed and prayed. And, and then the next time they went to go check for the cancer, it was all gone. It was completely gone. And there's so many stories I've heard like that that are just amazing. And even in our church, it's like there's just multiple healings a week where, you know, someone will be like, oh, I, I need prayer. Or in our youth group, actually. My brother, he had a, kind of a word of knowledge, like, oh, does anyone need healing in our youth group? And um, there was one girl who had hurt her ankle. And so we prayed for her. She was healed. And then, and then there was another person who I guess had hurt their, hurt their ankle or something too. And I said, well, you know what? You just got healed. You're going to pray over this other person. And they're going to be healed. And so they were. <laughs> so we had the youth praying for each other. And it was awesome. And they were just like so empowered by that. And their faith was just really built up through that experience. So that was that was really awesome. But just that idea of laying on of hands and that touch of God and, and actually us laying our hands on each other is, is a very important idea. Um, so I kind of just wanted to lead into this idea now of how sometimes we can forget how great and mighty and holy our God is. How holy, how huge of a thing that touch of God actually can be. Because, you know, obviously it can become um, a very easy, well, easily you can kind of think, okay, God is God, and it's hard to even imagine how big he is, so I'm not going to try to imagine it. I mean, in my mind, I think, you know, um, when, especially when I was younger, when people talk about, like, God is so huge, he made the whole earth and everything, 
It's like you can't really imagine it. You can't really comprehend it. So then you just try not to. And you kind of just place God somewhere. Somewhere over there, just some huge guy in the sky. And it's, it can be really hard to imagine actually how great and mighty and powerful he is. And it can be really easy to forget. So I'm going to lead us to a story in Exodus 38, which I think explains so powerfully just how great and mighty he actually is. Um, and I'm sure a lot of you know this story, um, Exodus 38, 18. It says, The curtain for the entrance of the courtyard was made from fine linen and blue, purple, and red yarn. Designs were woven, sorry, I think this was... I think I had the wrong one. But just the idea of, I can't remember which book it was supposed to be. Um, but, you know, where I think it was either, I think it was Jacob, um, had this experience where he actually, um, honestly, I can't remember if it was Jacob or not. I can't remember which book it was from. It was supposed to be Exodus, but I guess not. Um, but, yeah, someone in the Bible. I believe it was, might have been Jacob, um, was able to actually like ask God, can I see your face? Can I see you? Can I actually see your face? And God said no, because it's too powerful, too mighty. You can't see it or else you're going to die. And like, it's just crazy to imagine like you're actually, you're going to die because it's so like powerful and holy and glorious that you can't even like, you can't even look at it or you'll fall dead which to me is just like insane that, that God is just that powerful, that mighty. And, you know, we know a lot of times in the Bible, like let's say with Paul, um, who was Saul earlier, that he was actually killing Christians. He was chasing Christians and killing them. And then God came and there's this touch of God, this moment with God where he was blinded because of his glory, because of God's glory. And Paul's life was changed forever. He was living in sin. He was, you know, doing things that none of us could even imagine, that they're actually Christian, killing Christians for being a Christian. And he was saved because he actually saw or he experienced the glory of God and just how powerful and mighty that can be. Um, and there's, there's this book called The Weight of His Glory by C.S. Lewis, and I, I love C.S. Lewis. It's really awesome. Just like even his story, how he was an atheist and kind of proved himself wrong, which is really funny to me. I, I love that. Um, but he has this book, and I, I read this sermon kind of based on the book. And it talks about how glory, the word glory, a lot of people, you know, have different kind of ways to describe or like what that might be. And he says that one way to really describe it, describe it is like fame. So glory is kind of like fame. And he talks about how it's supposed to be fame in the eyes of God. And his glory is, for us, the biggest glory that we can experience is in the end of our lives hearing, well done, my good and faithful servant. That fame in front of our heavenly father, feeling like, I, I can't even imagine what that feels like at the end of your life when you've lived for God, you've lived for Jesus, and you've actually lived a life 
worthy of hearing your heavenly father say, well done, good job, you did it, I'm proud of you. You did exactly what I wanted you to do. You did what I called you to do on this earth. You lived how I planned for you to live. And just that I, like, it's just so crazy to think that one day we're going to hear that. If we're living a life worthy of Jesus, if we're living a life actually following that relationship with Jesus, we're going to hear that one day. And, yeah, I, I love that idea. And I love just that book and that, that sermon was super awesome just to, like, have this idea of, like, glory and fame, and what are we actually living our lives for? And that is like the one, one sentence we are living our lives for, and how we can live for Jesus. Um, so that kind of leads me to the idea of um, we don't actually know how long we're going to have on this earth. We don't know how many days we're going to have. We don't know if we're going to live to... 102, or if we're only going to live to, I don't know, 35, or even, you know, some people, kids might die young. I mean, that's a sad idea, but we actually don't know how long we have on this earth, and we need to be thinking every single day, how can I live thinking in my mind this idea of, I want to make my father proud. Every single day when we get out of bed and, and go to work, or go to the store, or wherever it is, how can I actually live a life worthy of hearing my father say, I'm proud of you? And it can be a really, like, scary idea of how can I make someone so holy and powerful and mighty proud of me? Because he's already done everything. He's already created this world. He, how could he be proud of me? But, um, you know, the one, the one thing we know we can do is just to draw close to him. And it's, it's amazing how someone so powerful and amazing made it so easy for us to have connection with him and for us to actually be able to hear that sentence at the end of our lives because all we really need to do is just to draw close to our Father. And I know for some people that might be difficult because we have this different idea of our fathers that, oh, maybe my earthly father was not a great father. He wasn't very good. The things that would make him proud aren't things that would make God proud at all. But that's where it's great that we can have this renewed kind of idea. If we search in the Bible, it'll tell us exactly what kind of father he is. It'll tell us exactly what he wants us to do. And there is a lot of things that he does want us to do, a lot of rules that it may seem like we need to follow, like all the, like, do not commit murder or adultery, all these different things. But in reality, the first thing he calls us to is love and to be in relationship with him. And everything else flows out of that. And I know when I went to school ministry a few years ago, um, I kind of, you know, had this idea, like after I came back, you know, it's going to be awesome and be so on fire for Jesus. And, you know, just because I went to school. And when I came back, I mean, because I was there for a year, and with all these people who were like, you know, on fire for Jesus, we're all going after the same thing. We're all just wanting to learn more about God. And then I came back here, and I was like, oh, I don't have any friends that are good. <laughs> like, my friends kind of suck. I mean, not really, but. 
but I don't have any friends like that here. And like kind of it was just this low point for me where I had to actually adjust and be like, how do I, how do I grab onto this for myself? There's things that I still desire that aren't godly desires. There's still things that I want to do that are not godly that I shouldn't be doing. But I had to really get a grip of this intimacy with God, this love for Jesus. And I remember my, my brother asking me, he went to Bethel in California for school ministry there. And he was asking me, like, okay, what does that really mean, that intimacy with God? What does that actually mean? Like, how do you actually get that? And um, at first I was like, uh, I don't know, actually. <laughs> I, it's hard to say. And it is hard to say because it's for different, different for every single person because we're all built differently, obviously. And some people are built more creative. Some people are more musical. I know for myself, I'm very musical. I'm more of a worshiper. And I, for me, to get this intimacy with Jesus, it's just spending time in worship and actually writing my own songs to him or just singing my own worship to him or just playing the keys. And for some people, it might be, you know, actually having these conversations with God or, or pouring their heart out to God. And, but that's the, the biggest thing we can really, like, experience. The best thing we can experience is that intimacy with God and knowing that he's right here, that he's my friend, that he's my best friend. And I think especially in those moments where you feel lonely, you don't feel like you have anything, you don't have anyone, those are the best moments to actually be able to build that. And those are the times where um, you can actually best build that because you don't have anyone else to really rely on. I mean, obviously, um, when I came back from school, I had my parents, and my parents are great, but they're, pa they're my parents. <laughs> they're not like my friends necessarily all the time. And um, I was talking with, there was this older lady who went to the school ministry, and she was kind of like a spiritual mother to me. And I even recently was talking with her, and I was like, oh, you know, I'm kind of going through that same, like, feeling of like, okay, I just need that community. And she was like, well, you know what? Maybe, maybe God has you in this place of feeling kind of lonely because you just, he wants you to draw close to him. And he wants you to have only him as your source, as your person, as the person you go to. And I thought that was so amazing because when you have nothing else, when you have no one else, he's great to go to. But then also, when you do have someone, when you do have people around you, are you still going to him? Are you still looking for him? And I, I tend to go through a lot of, like, really high, really low. <laughs> and in my life, you know, I'm, I do youth coordination, and it can be a little crazy sometimes and a little hectic. And... Uh, I mean, my youth group, my youth leaders are really awesome, and sometimes I feel very, you know, loved by them, and they make me feel very proud, and I'm, I'm very proud of the youth group we've built, but then sometimes, I mean, they're still young. Our youth leaders are very young, so sometimes I'm like, gosh, guys, get it together, <laughs> and I'm feeling like, okay, I'm having to kind of pull them by their bootstraps, like, let's go, guys, and that's where, you know, I really need Jesus to help me give me the strength. But then also when they are doing great and I am feeling loved and surrounded by them, I still need to know that Jesus is my everything. 
that I can't just all of a sudden start putting all my expectations and everything on them and on the people around me. Um, so yeah, that kind of, uh, honestly, I kind of went off on a little <laughs> different than I thought I was going to go. But um, kind of just like coming to a close, um, I even just wanted to mention that, you know, we obviously all have our own different things, even in like the five offices it talks about. There's apostles, there's prophets, there's pastors, and there's teachers. And we all have these different ways that we minister to people, we evangelize or whatever it is. And um, there's, there's different ways that, that we building, are building up the church. And obviously we all have those different things because they all come and work together. If we just had someone up here worship leading every single Sunday, didn't have anyone preaching, I mean, it would be cool, but like, you know, we always need someone giving a word or, you know, preaching up here. And if we just had someone evangelizing, but then no one preaching or doing worship on a Sunday, I mean, okay, cool, you're evangelizing, you're telling them God's great, but then they're not actually able to come to church and build themselves up. And so we need all these people, we need all these people in the church and, I mean, everyone is, everyone is different, so it can be hard to kind of say, like, okay, how do you, how do you live for Jesus in your own way? How do, you, how do you actually have intimacy with Jesus in your way, own way? Because we're so different. But, you know, thankfully, we're all able to come together and kind of build each other up and help each other, you know, in places where we may not be as strong. I know there's there's a girl in uh, our youth group, one of our youth leaders, and she's very pastoral. She cares a lot about people, and, you know, she sees someone's hurting, and she's like, I'm going to go talk to that person. You know, I'm going to go hug them. And I'm like, don't give me a hug. Like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm finished, so I'm like, I don't love hugs. <laughs> I'm like, not, I mean, I'm compassionate, but I'm not the best at, like, just going up to someone and approaching them and being like, how are you doing? But Thankfully, she's kind of challenged me to be a lot better at that. And, you know, everyone in our youth leader leadership is very different. I mean, we have Kalen. He's very, very, like, loves to go out and evangelize and tell people about Jesus. I don't think he has any fear in his body whatsoever. So, um, but, yeah, just having those, those kind of people around you even to push you and grow you closer to God. And even if you don't have those people, you know, there's, there's always people in the church as well who are able to push you to grow closer to God. Um, and yeah, kind of just ending off is like, how do we actually maintain that life for Jesus, maintain that intimacy with Jesus is having uh, a goal or visions. And um, recently I was talking with um, this one lady who she's, like I said, she was like my spiritual mother and she was asking me, okay, what do you want to do with your life? And I was like, ah, uh, I mean, there's a lot of ideas. She's like, well, like, when you close your eyes, like, what do you see? What do you kind of picture yourself doing? And kind of took me through this whole exercise. because She's actually a business consultant, so she's able to really bring out those ideas in you. And um, I kind of came up with this, with this idea of, like, being able to actually travel and do like videos or photo shoots or videography, but actually help people with their mental health through that, showing that, okay, like last summer I went to Iceland. I mean, that was amazing. And I'm like, man, some people, if they could see this, that would actually help 
with their mental health. And I kind of had this idea of like, okay, if I was able to show people videos or show people how it really feels there, they would kind of be drawn there, maybe go visit and actually get out of their house or get out of their space, you know. For some people, that's really just what they need. And she showed me this, like, or kind of said to me, like, you know, when you have this vision, when you have this goal, when you have this thing you're working towards, then you're able to actually maintain on the path much better. And even in our lives with Christ, when we have this, these goals, these visions, these ideas, things that we're working towards, it's much easier to just keep going or even having those schedules like every day reading your Bible or every day doing certain things. Um, because I know for my life when I don't really have a schedule like that, I'm like, oh, you know, I didn't really read my Bible today, but oh, that's probably fine. And then tomorrow it doesn't happen again, and I'm like, oh, it's probably fine. But then, you know, now it's like, okay, I need to, because I know I need that word. And I know especially nowadays with everything going on, I need to know my word, and I need to actually know what's in the word. Um, so, yeah, kind of just like ending off with this, what does it mean to really live for God? What does it mean to actually experience the holiness and the glory of God? Um, you know, when we actually live those everyday lives, that's when we draw close to God, and even if it feels very mundane and it can feel boring at times. Um, you know, I had someone tell me recently that those boring, I mean boring, relationships that feel very constant and steady are actually the best ones because relationships that are going like this, I mean, usually they're kind of more toxic than anything when, when it's like super high, super awesome, and then super low, but, you know, sometimes, God, we can feel very steady and constant, but there's peace in that, and there's comfort in that, and we know that it's never going to change. His goodness is never going to change. His love is never going to change, and that we can always come back to him. We can always come to him for everything, and, you know, when we do live that steady God, steady life with God, that's actually when we experience those moments of holiness or glory, like I was saying we experienced last Thursday, young adults, you know, when there's people like, like I said, Josh, who's teaching, there's people like him, you can tell they spend their time in the word. They actually spend their time with Jesus in those secret plates with Jesus, and they get up there, and they share about it, and they lead you into ministry time, and it's this powerful moment. It's because they chose to actually spend that time with Jesus, and when you experience those holy moments with God, where you feel his presence, it's because you actually chose to allow him in, allow him into your life, and to actually live that life with Jesus. So yes, I'm going to lead us into one more song. Yes. 